MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, May 26, 2022. Today, the Department of Justice has issued multiple subpoenas requesting information about Trump lawyers who participated in the fraudulent elector scheme. At least two sources have told the January 6th committee that Donald was pleased with the calls to hang Mike Pence. A tax case could force Roger Stone into cooperation, and Beto O'Rourke interrupted a Greg Abbott press conference about the Uvalde shooting. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. That Beto, we're going to talk about him in, in a little bit, but that was some of the coolest shit I've seen in a long time. It was. And I was so disgusted at some of the press that was like, Beto storms the stage. I'm like, it was kind of a saunter and he didn't even raise his fucking voice. So how about we not act like he interrupted and got crazy in the press conference? I was like, this is Texas. That was a mosey. It was definitely a mosey. Everyone knows a mosey when they see it. Even if you're an old ex punk rocker from Texas, you can still mosey. That's right. Rush the stage. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Trust me, he's been in mosh pits and he knows how to rush stages. That totally. was not bad. Now, uh, a little bit of good news. Josh Duggar has been sentenced to 12 and a half years in prison for downloading child pornography. So that is uh, a nice long sentence. I'm happy about that. And of course, uh, of all the photos of Josh Duggar and Republican members of, of Congress and, and governors are, are now making the rounds again as they as they tend to when Duggar comes up in the news. Yeah. So that's happening later on in the show. I'm going to speak to two women running to be Los Angeles Superior Court judges. You know, yes. how we always talk about how important it is. These local elections judge judgeships, it's especially and uh, their their progressive slate of judges looking to change the the face of 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 Superior Court in Los Angeles. I love them so much, and I love this this slate of candidates. So you definitely want to stick around for that. And we've got some, you know, I mean, there's so much going on with you know with these mass shootings in in America, but we have some other really big news happening. I want to make sure it gets covered. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The Justice Department has stepped up its criminal investigation again into the creation of alternate slates of electors for Trump. And I call them fraudulent. New York Times here calls them alternate. OK. And of course, they're seeking to overturn Biden's victory in the 2020 election. And this is this particular stepping up of the criminal investigation is focusing on a team of lawyers that worked on behalf of Donald. And that's according to people familiar with the matter. A federal grand jury in Washington, D.C. has started issuing subpoenas. In recent weeks, so for a while now, to people linked with the alternate fraudulent elector plan, requesting information about several lawyers, including Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, uh, for example, Jenna Ellis, Kenneth Cheesebro. Remember Cheesebro? Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Who worked with Giuliani? He wrote memos supporting the elector scheme in the weeks after the election. A top Justice Department official acknowledged in January that the prosecutors were trying to determine whether any crimes were committed in the scheme. They are now issuing subpoenas. It's almost June. So this is like six months now or five months. I, you know, I'm all about patience with justice, but like, let's go. Let's go. 
Under the plan, as we know, election officials in seven key swing states put forward formal lists of fraudulent pro-Trump electors to the Electoral College on the grounds that the states would be shown to have swung in favor of Trump once their claims of widespread election fraud had been accepted. Those claims were baseless and all seven states were awarded to Biden. But the states weren't awarded to Biden because those claims were baseless. They were awarded to Biden because he won the election. Correct. It is a federal crime to knowingly submit false statements to a federal agency or agent for an undue end. The alternate and fraudulent elector slates were filed with a handful of government bodies, including the National Archives. So these are crimes to me. The focus on the fraudulent electors is only one of the efforts by the Justice Department to broaden its vast investigations into hundreds of rioters who broke into the Capitol on January 6th. In the past few months, as we know, grand jury subpoenas have been issued seeking information about Pretty much everyone who organized Trump's rally near the White House that day, VIP attendees of the rally, members of Congress and the executive branch who may have impeded or attempted to impede the electoral count, the fraudulent slate of elector stuff. I mean, the grand these grand jury subpoenas are covering pretty much everyone. So this is the massive investigation everybody's been waiting for. It's been going on for several weeks, several months, actually. The widening and intensifying Justice Department inquiry also comes as the House Select Committee investigating the efforts to overturn the election and the assault on the Capitol prepares for public hearings starting June 9th. Thank you so much, A.G. And speaking of January 6th, Roger Stone isn't cooperating. Shocking, I know, but soon he might not have a choice. Now, from Roger Sullenberger at the Daily Beast, on Monday, Justice Department prosecutors asked a federal judge to compel Stone and his wife turn over all of their financial statements and bank account information from 2017 to the present. Now, the request is part of a tax evasion lawsuit brought against the Stones last year. But for the MAGA, world's preeminent cocktail-clutching coxcomb, (laughs) I love whoever wrote that line. Sullenberger, yeah. Right? It could carry ramifications well beyond the IRS. Now, the judge's order would force the Stones to disclose a potential treasure trove of evidence Prosecutors would obtain records of any financial activity of Stone tied to the January 6th riot and, quote, stop the steal efforts, as well as potential payments from, oh, I don't know, pardon seekers, politicians and private boosters, and possibly information about accounts that the Stones just haven't yet disclosed. Now, so far, however, the Stones have refused to comply. Not surprising. Federal prosecutors filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the Stones last April. The suit alleges that the Stones defaulted on $2 million in unpaid taxes, $2 million going back a decade, and through various schemes attempted to conceal money and other assets from government collectors. The docket has been quiet for two months while the parties entered mandatory mediation talks, but they appear to have come out of those negotiations swinging, like... (laughs) Swinging. Now, according to prosecutors. <laughs> yeah, not like not like a key party swinging. But, yeah, yeah, like we were swinging. Yeah, not cocaine and orgy swinging. Mm-mm. Some hooks and jabs and, and, and uppercuts. Now, according to prosecutors, the Stones have so far provided, well, no explanation for their failure to produce the records. And the documents in question they wrote have been at all times within the Stones defendants' possession, custody and control. Those records could verify the Stones' finances, cooperate statements from their accountants, and possibly reveal activity related to other entities or accounts. And those would include Roger Stone Defense Fund, organizations that financed events surrounding the January 6th rallies, and any payments for pardon advocacy 
in the waning weeks of Donald Trump's presidency. That's what I want to fucking see, because you yes. know they're there. The request means the DOJ also wants to see how Stone used Drake Ventures over the last year while he was knowingly under the legal microscope. Stone's a secretive financial life spiders way out in several directions. There's the untold amount of money funneled into his legal defense fund, the status of which is vague and, according to its website, just an extension of Stone personally, just like his nominally separate family defense fund, apparently. Then there's Committee to Stop the Steal, and that's a political nonprofit that longtime Stone affiliates set up just ahead of the 2020 election. Now, that group has failed to submit numerous tax filings, including any records of its fundraising and expenses. Hmm. So who knows where the fuck all that money went? Now, if Stone has withheld key financial documents, that act of concealment would demonstrate, quote, the essence of intent, a necessary step to securing a guilty verdict. Hmm. So he's in a lot of trouble. This may be the case that actually gets him to start talking. Yeah. And and to be fair, they generally file lawsuits when they don't have enough evidence to to, you know, charge crimes. But that's because they can't get this lawsuit is to get the documents. Right. This is like, hey, there's probably a lot of evidence of crimes. You just won't hand it over. And that's what they're getting trying to get the court to compel them to do. All right. Shortly. This story is is bonkers. Shortly after Hundreds of rioters at the Capitol started chanting, hang Mike Pence on January 6th. The White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, left the dining room off the Oval Office, walked into his own office and told colleagues that Trump was complaining that Pence was being whisked away to safety. Complaining that the vice president was being taken to a safe place. Now, remember, he was taken to a parking garage loading dock. And I still have sources and no one else has reported on this yet that their badges were deactivated in the building. Mm-hmm. And, and ma- that might make me mad if I tried to deactivate their badges and they were still taken away to a safe place. Anyhow, still haven't corroborated that story, but it fits in with this. Meadows, according to an account provided to the House committee investigating January 6th, Meadows then told colleagues that Trump had said something to the effect of maybe Mr. Pence should be hanged. Hmm. The account of Trump's comment was initially provided to the House committee by at least one witness, and that's according to two people briefed on the committee's work, as the panel develops a timeline of what the president was doing during the attack on the Capitol. And Cassidy Hutchinson confirmed this. She was asked, did people say that he was happy about people wanting to hang Mike Pence? Yep, Mm -hmm. she confirmed it. Trump's supporters marched up to the Capitol on his encouragement. Some chanted hang Mike Pence as a gallows was set up outside the Capitol building. Pence, who had arrived earlier at the Capitol, was taken to safety in an underground garage as the top congressional leadership of both parties were evacuated. Trump, watching television throughout the riot, spoke approvingly of those chants as he discussed them with Mr. Meadows and possibly other aides. And that's according to testimony from people who heard it (laughs) that talked to the committee. And the final paragraph, Dana, of this story, talk about a buried lead. The Times reports that the 1-6 committee has also gathered testimony that Mark Meadows used the fireplace in his office to burn documents. What? According to two people briefed on the panel's questions. That's also a crime. And so people people are wondering, like, why is it taking so long with the, you know, the Justice Department and the contempt referral for Mark Meadows? I'm like, they're investigating for other crimes. And if they get him for the misdemeanor contempt charge, which is nothing then they'll have to do discovery and 
they'll be able to find out everything else they're investigating, which you want to keep a secret. So that to me is why I think it's taken so long. I think you're probably right. All right. This next story could not be more proud of this man. Texas gubernatorial candidate Beto O'Rourke, he interrupted a news conference hosted by no one other than Governor Greg Abbott on Wednesday to accuse Republicans of doing nothing to address gun violence in the aftermath of a shooting at elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. Now, when Mr. Abbott's allies saw Beto step forward, they began shouting at him with the mayor of Uvalde, Don McLaughlin, hurling an obscenity. You can hear it on the video. Another ordering El Paso native to shut up and the state's lieutenant governor, Dan Patrick, demanding that he sit down. Moments later, uniformed security guards grabbed Mr. O'Rourke and pulled him away. On his way out, he could be heard telling the audience, some of whom were jeering him while others yelled to let him speak, somebody needs to stand up for the children of the state or they will continue to be killed. And A.G., I know you had to edit the hell out of that story because the Times reported Beto rushed the stage. I talked about this earlier and was shouting. But as you and I both know, we've personally watched this video. He didn't run up to the panel. He stood up, moved up towards the stage very fucking calmly. He didn't shout at all. If you've ever seen Beto, it takes a lot to get him fired up. And even then, he's not really yelling. He's just very passionate. He was calm. And it was awesome to watch. And this is the other thing I'll have to say And I want to get your take on this. Beto O'Rourke is still a gubernatorial candidate. At this point, he's a fucking constituent in Texas, and he's a father of children, and he has every right to stand up in a public press conference and ask people in power what the hell they are doing to stop this. If this was any other father, any other father who stood up in that auditorium, they would not have done what they did to Beto. I understand why they did and why they spoke to him that way, but it was absurd the way they addressed him in this thing. Absurd. Yeah, and I gotta say, you know, I love Texas. I love Texans. But these Republicans, this McLaughlin guy and the other guy and and Abbott. Ted Cruz. These dude, these old ass Republicans on the stage were like seriously out of the Dukes of Hazard, and not like the new one. No, nope. not the the one from the seventies. It's fucking. It was Boss Hog. I swear to God, that guy, that McLaughlin guy, probably drives like a big white convertible with giant Texas Longhorns on the front of it. And it was just with the a most, Confederate flag painted on the side. I guarantee. Yes, absolutely. These guys are so just stuck, and they want to live. In, in in the 40s and 50s that, you know, that so that's where they, the, you know, dress for the decade you want to live in, I guess. I guess so. I'll tell you this right now, too. Every one of those men, and I use that term loosely, were more angry at Beto interrupting yep. a press conference than they were that 19 children were slaughtered the day before. Fuck yeah, and we should talk about we should talk about the, the the content of their quote unquote press conference. They were talking about how, you know, well, people people get shot in Chicago all the time. And oh, they, cars, you know, they get hit by cars. Should we take away cars? Mental health is the problem here. And, uh, you know, just the same shit that we've been hearing now for so long, basically since they overturned the assault weapons ban. And and it's just it's tired. And so, yeah, as a citizen and as a father, Beto has every right to peacefully and peaceably assemble and protest uh, his government for a redress of, of grievances, uh, which is what he was doing. That's his yeah. First Amendment right. Absolutely. And just the way they treated him 
and the way the press treated it. Oh, he rushed the state. Like you said, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And this talk of arming teachers again, go. <sighs> it's insane. And I've heard from teachers and not to bring light to this, but sometimes you have to find a joke. I remember last time they were calling for this. There was a science teacher that tweeted, listen, I almost blew my face off with a Bunsen burner. Don't give me a gun. Yeah. I don't want a gun in, in a classroom. If you've ever seen a teacher at five o'clock on a Friday night after a bad week, <laughs> the last thing they want is a gun. They just want happy hour. Like, stop giving them yeah. this responsibility to protect your children, to keep them alive. When a lot of those parents, and I saw a tweet from a teacher that said, listen, if there's a gunman in the school, I have a child in that school. I'm going to be rushing to find my kid. I'm not going to be standing up there with a gun. I mean, it's just absurd. Uh, that whole conversation puts me over the edge. I am so fucking angry about everything right now. Meanwhile, the NRA is going to hold their annual gathering this weekend. Yep. Donald and Ted Cruz and everybody is going to, Abbott's going to speak yep. at it. And and by the way, guns aren't allowed in that in, nope. in that gathering because I don't understand why I tweeted out. I'm like, why? Why won't they let everyone just open carry? If more guns make everyone safer, why can't... I, don't you want more guns there in your little meeting for and about guns? No? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That doesn't make any sense to me. And I know we bring that up every time the NRA has, has a rally or a, or a meeting because they never allow guns. We can't even... Ugh, I, I'm there's sorry. There's a reason. And there's yeah. a reason for that. It's called, you know, restrictions for gun safety, you know, situations for, you know, for considering gun safety. and that, But they won't let it happen for children, just themselves. I know. Speaking of gun safety, what are you going to... I, We don't... Do, teachers have to pay for pencils and paper out of their own goddamn pockets sometimes. Where are you going to find the funding? You can't, you can't help them get school supplies, but you're going to find the funding to train every teacher... I, yeah. could you hold a, a firearm? Get the fuck out of here. I just, I'm sorry, everybody. I know I'm cursing and I'm angry. I just am mad. I, it's absurd. And then there was some other rep saying, well, we just need to redesign the architecture of the schools. So there's only one entrance. Like, like how far oh ba backwards God. are you going to bend over? How much money are you going to spend? It's like, just fucking. Yeah, but please get books out of schools that have, you know, yeah, that are informing the kids of Josh's two moms because it's so fucking dangerous. Yeah. And yeah. And don't say gay. Ugh. Uh, but that. OK, sure. Anyway, All right. we could N go. We're preaching to the choir. I, I'm going to bring myself back to center. The <laughs> <laughs> hands at hearts. Center. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Hands and hearts. All right. I'm there and through the nose, belly breath. Uh, and <sighs> we know we're, we're, we're preaching to the choir here, but I think we just need to sort of get it out. And I know that uh, it's everyone is, is feeling the same way. You know, it's just is this the one? Is this the straw that, that breaks the camel's back? Well, let me tell you, we're the camels. It's our back. We get to decide. Yeah. And we need to do that this November. And I will say this, and, and I mean this, I think we should research every single candidate, even if there's two Democrats going up. If you research them and you find out one of them has taken a cent from the NRA and another one hasn't, I am absolutely going to vote for candidates that have not taken a dollar from the gun lobby over someone yep. who has, even if they're Democrats and Republicans. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. If it's a if it's a Democrat versus a Republican, vote for the Democrat. If you got two Democrats to choose from, see how much money they've taken. You can go to OpenSecrets.org and find out how much money they've taken from not just the NRA, but other gun lobbyists. Thank well. you for that link, A.G. All righty. Ah, I'm going to be right back and we're going to talk about changing the face of the court in Los Angeles County and their superior court. And I love this. Um, this is a great discussion 
Uh, and I'll be talking with Holly Hancock and G. Young Park, two women running for judgeships in that in that court system in, in Los Angeles County. And it's and, uh, you know, if you don't live in Los Angeles County, it's still very important to understand how your local elections, especially for judgeships, city councils and school boards shape your life. So everybody stick around for that. We will be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everyone, it's AG. As you know, I used to have a difficult time with sleep. And sadly, sleeping is my favorite thing. But that is when Helix Sleep came to my rescue. I was sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. But I jumped on helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, took their two-minute online sleep quiz, and it matched me and my body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. And now I've been getting the best night's sleep of my life. They have soft, medium, firm mattresses, mattresses to prevent morning aches and pains. They have a Helix Plus for plus-size sleepers. With Helix, you get a mattress that's perfect for you and the way you sleep. When I took their quiz, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I prefer a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side. So now I fall asleep fast. I stay asleep all night. I do not toss and turn. I wake up feeling refreshed. I'm not sore. It's great. I absolutely love it. As you know, Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a solution for improving your sleep. So head to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take that two-minute sleep quiz online. You'll be matched with the perfect mattress for you. It'll get shipped right to your door for free, no risk, and you can start having the best night's sleep of your life. Helix has financing options available, flexible payment plans. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 sleeps, no risk. They'll come and pick it up and give you a full refund if you don't love it. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by two women running to serve as Los Angeles Superior Court judges. They're running on the Defenders of Justice 2022 candidate slate. One has been a public defender for 15 years. The other, a private attorney who handles civil rights and labor matters. Please welcome Holly Hancock and G. Young Park. Hello. Hello, Allison. It's good to be here. Thank you. Hello, this is G. Young. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you because, first of all, I've been talking forever on this show about how important local elections are. Everything starts locally. I remember former First Lady Michelle Obama talking about how that's where things get done and how you wouldn't want to let, I think she said you wouldn't want your Nana to pick out your club outfit. And so that's what you do when you don't vote. And it's so important that we pay attention to the, the folks running for judgeships, the folks running for school board, the, fo- you know, city council. And so that's why I'm so excited to talk to both of you today. And let's start with G. Young. It says here in my notes, and, and this is absolutely awesome to me is that you are the daughter of Korean immigrants, but you were born and raised in Los Angeles. And so you're you're very local. But also, it's so important to have representatives in our court system that match the communities that they serve. So can you talk a little bit, Ji Young, about what prompted you to run to be a judge on the Superior Court? So I'm running to be the change I want to see. And I'm running to serve the people of LA County using the expertise, the skills, and the perspective that I have as a Korean American woman 
who has pro- progressive values, values that I think are more aligned with the wider public in LA County. Um, I think we need more women and we need more women of color. Most importantly, we need judges with diversity of legal background and perspectives. Uh, I want to point out that only 38% of the judges in the trial courts of LA County are women. Hmm. I just looked at some statistics yesterday about California's trial courts. And the last study that they did, there are about 8% of judges who are Asian American in the trial courts of California. And while the population of Asian Americans in California is 15%. Mm. So we have quite a ways to go to have parity with the population of Asian Americans. Yeah. And California, especially Los Angeles, considered very progressive, but we're still behind the eight ball on a lot of a lot of this representation. And Holly, first of all, I think one of the coolest things is 15 years as a public defender. I think we need more public defenders in judgeships because it's such a different and important perspective. But can you talk a little bit about even and, you know, as I bring up the fact that California and Los Angeles County are so progressive, however, we're still behind the eight ball. We still do experience uh, like dual systems of justice here as just, I, I wouldn't say as much as any other state or any other county, but we do experience it. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you're going to approach that? Yes, um, this is something that a lot of people don't know. And I am not from Southern California, but I bet that, um, but I've adopted it and I've been here for 25 years. But I bet that a lot of people don't know that the criminal justice portion of our laws has been very draconian. But really, Southern California and California, the state of California, followed along the laws that were being passed in the 90s from the federal on down. So Clinton signed the crime bill. This was the kind of thing that cracked down on, you know, it it allowed enhancements. It allowed, um, you know, drug cases to be um, become really uh, burdened with additional um, incarceration, you know, over time, just possession and sales. And so it just it was so sweeping and, and wide ranging that it took this 30 years, 30 to 40 years, really, to um, start to turn back the hands, you know, turn back the tide. Mm -hmm. And who did it was the voters. The voters have started to pass the propositions, you know, to reduce the drug cases, to to really um, come up with different ways of handling incarceration, to deal with, um, to, to start opening new courts, homeless court, um, veterans court, drug court, you know, so we have all these different courts. We they need to be better funded. You know, they they filled up the Office of Diversion and Reentry Court, which is for the mentally ill. And so uh, one thing that I have been doing because I do work with um, right now, the last two years, I've, I've been uh, in charge of the criminal record clearing unit. And that's the people who do the expungements. So I can see on the front end how judges are very resistant to change for the open cases They're from the very beginning, from arraignment, 
from making a determination about bail. They hold on to the, you know, bail schedules that were created, I don't know, 20 years ago, you know, like it's the Holy Grail. And they just refuse to do what the new law is, which is, you know, look at each individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think as a public defender, we do always look at each individual. And, um, you know, on the back end, I see the judges are not wanting to grant the expungements. Hmm. So they want the punishment to continue. And that that necessarily is not following the law because it's changed because it's changed at the hands of the voters. And Jay Young, how how in the past have you seen that sort of resistance for judges to actually follow the laws or sentencing guidelines, et cetera, for example? I know when when Holly was talking about some of the the drug uh, crime bills that passed in the 90s, I'm thinking specifically of communities targeted for specific drugs that that, you know, and you when you went by weight, it weighed more than the actual narcotic in the thing itself and caused these mandatory minimum sentences. But now that we're over that, I assume that you you plan to apply the law as it is now and not how it how it always has been. Right. So. um I do want to highlight that when judges get elected through the election process, the judges can be assigned anywhere in L.A. County to any of the courts in L.A. County and to any of the different types of courts in L.A. County, which are criminal, civil, probate, family, small claims, traffic, juvenile, mental health and appellate courts. So a lot of people do think that that these judges are just assigned to criminal courts when, in fact, Mm. even criminal attorneys can be assigned to, say, family court or mental health courts or appellate courts. Uh, It really depends on what vacancies are available and where the chief... um, judge, I I don't really remember the the title, but where the judges are assigned. To answer your question, it's so critical to have judges who are going to follow the law and who understand the intent of these laws and will implement the laws fairly and equitably. Right now, we have the largest jail system in the world at a cost of over $106,000 per inmate per year. And that cost is growing all of the time. So do we want to maintain the status quo and just keep growing the largest jail system in the world at that cost, at that tremendous cost to taxpayers? Or do we want to have different policies and try out different try out different ways to, you know, address crime, maybe address the root causes of crime. So as we elect lawmakers who are trying out these different policies, these different laws, we need judges who will abide by those laws, understand those laws and implement those laws fairly and equitably. Yeah, especially as as they change so so often, especially in Los Angeles County. 
Well, Holly, speak to a little bit about something that uh, Jay Young was talking about, that it's not just criminal court. You could be assigned to any number of courts, but, at the, but it's important to have diverse voices on all of the, those courts. Can you talk a little bit about why diversity is important on courts other than criminal courts? Absolutely. Well, first point out that, um, as she said, women, it's a, it's a lower rate. But, you know, my clients are black and brown mostly, you know, for the criminal court system. And um, I I have about 40 percent, it's about 40 percent for both um, for his, Hispanic, Latino and um, black. And really, and then by that, I mean, 40 plus 40. So about 80 percent of my people are people of color. And there are about three to four percent. There are about four percent African-American females on the bench and about three percent African-American males. So it's really a low amount for the people. It's this about the same for Latino, Latina. It is about eight percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would say the same for Asian Pacific Islander. So, you know, it's, we're talking about some low rates here and of people who are sitting on the bench. Today, I was talking to a client and she was just sharing with me because we're, she's on the back end. And she's done with everything and we're trying to expunge her record. But she was talking about how she had lost her children. So this is one of the um, collateral effects of criminal court. So now she's going into dependency court, which is a separate court. And it is a court that we could be assigned to. And in the dependency court, you know, equally, there are mostly people of color in there. Um, mostly it is the children of people of color who are going into foster care. And um, it is mostly not their same color that's on the bench. And so, you know, if you are not a part of your community, and that's what I always say, you know, you should be really a part of the community that you are working and working for. Because that's the way I look at it. Judges are working for this community that they are in. And this is a neighborhood judge that you are voting for. That's why, as you said, you know, the people who vote for the school board, you're voting for the school board, you're voting for this, you're voting for that. These local races are very important because these local races determine how people are going to be told to live, how people are going to be told for their children to go to school. And so you will have you will vote for a local judge. That's what you're going to do, even though it is a countywide race. This judge is going to sit on the bench in Inglewood or sit on the dependency court in Monterey Park or sit on the civil court in Santa Monica. So all of these places are places because Los Angeles County is very diverse. We have like I don't I forget how many different nationalities we have, but it's something like 37 different nationalities and or more. It could be more. I'm not even sure. And, you know, so many different people of, of color that, you know, people really deserve the neighborhood judge to have been involved in and part of their neighborhood. You know, I've sat on many different boards. I've sat on, you know, I've I've been active with NAACP. So, you know, these are some of the things that, you know, I am involved with the community. Um, Right after this, I'm gonna run into someone who has a, a, a complaint about their workspace for NAACP. 
So, we, you know, we have lots of things going on. And I think all of us on the Defenders of Justice have been really involved with our community, with the community that we will probably sit on the bench in front of. And that's why it's important. Diversity, diversity, they, they should demand diversity. The voters should demand diversity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ji Young, is there anything else you want to say about the Defenders of Justice uh, slate? And then also, can you tell everyone where they can find more information about your campaign and where they can support you? Sure. I just want to point out that LA County's LA County has never had an opportunity like this before. There are more public defenders running and, you know, myself, a community, I call my, I call us community lawyers because we work with the community. We're in the trenches with the community. There have never been so many community lawyers running for these judge seats. There are six public defenders running for different seats and me in my own race. There is, I don't know when there is ever going to be such an opportunity to elect judges with values that are aligned with the majority of Angelinos. Right. Change the face of the court. What an, what an immense opportunity to do this. It really is. And, and so because we don't have the kind of budget that political candidates do, we don't qualify for matching funds. They're not high profile races. We really need folks to spread the word about the Defenders of Justice candidates. Our website is thedefendersofjustice2022.com. It links to each of our individual websites. And we're also having text banking, volunteer opportunities, as well as canvassing. This is a countywide race and people are always asking, what district are you running in? <laughs> it's the county. It's the entire county. And some people don't know whether they're in the county. Um, that's every area from Long Beach to Antelope Valley, Palmdale, Santa Clarita, to Pomona, Claremont, to... Venice and, and Santa Monica and everywhere in between. So if you're in LA County, if you know folks in LA County, please talk about these judicial races and the defenders of justice if you want change in the legal system. And I think uh, I think we do. I think it's so critically important that we do everything that we can. I mean, we're looking at everything from the Supreme Court on down to our local justice systems. And we had a, a really big victory in changing the face of the Supreme Court this this past couple of months. And now we need to do it where we live. So I appreciate your time today, G. Young. Anything else, Holly, that you want to add? The Defenders of Justice 2022.com. Yes? Absolutely. Just take a look at us and, you know, look at our individual sites, Hancock for Judge, number four judge.com. Um, I think it's Gian for LA. No. Parks for Judge 2022. Okay. <laughs> or August number 118. I just want to jump in and just shout out the others. Yeah. Elizabeth Lashley Haynes for Office 67 and Anna Slotky Retano for Office number 60. And I'm Holly Hancock and I'm running in seat 70. 
And um, yeah, you know, get as much information as you can, as you would if your children were going to school and you were voting for that school board president. You know, this is just as important. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, G. Young and Holly. I appreciate it. And uh, we will check back in with you as this race goes on. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Allison. Thanks for having us. You are so welcome. Thank you for being here. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everyone. As you know, Helix Sleep changed my life with their mattress. I have never had a better night's sleep, so I'm excited to let you know Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They just launched a company called All Form, and they're making premium customizable sofas and armchairs and love seats shipped right to your door, fast and free, and they're beautiful. There's so much I love about this company. They offer you a choice of fabric, which is spill stain and scratch resistant, which is great for pod pets. You choose the color of the fabric, the, the finish of the legs, the sofa size, the configuration to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. And the, it's the easiest way to customize a sofa using premium materials, but for a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add more seats later. If your house gets bigger or you move or your family gets bigger, it's awesome. Uh, I chose a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather with walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge. It fits my room perfectly. It's comfortable. It's awesome. It's so high quality. I love it. Uh, all form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast free shipping. In the past, my last couch I got took 12 or 13 weeks to get to me. But all form, just three to seven days in the mail. And you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. No extra $3 million delivery fee or anything like that. It's amazing. And you get to 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, which is more than three months. And like I said, if you don't love it, they'll come pick it up, give you a full refund. So there's no risk. Uh, and, uh, you know, they also have that forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash daily beans. And Allform's offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash daily beans. Everyone, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, as we so need it right now. Like if you've been on the fence, like I'm going to send my good news story in. Now's the time. Send in your good news stories, confessions, corrections, idioms that people get backwards. You want to tell me how dumb Louis Gomert is? I'm always down for that. Misheard song lyrics. Uh, we've had a drop off in those. Feel free to send those in. Whoopie stories. Love those. And lovey stories. Um, you know, shared swears, find the cat, what the whatever you want to send in. Do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And then, bump, 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 there are two Daily Beans shows on Apple Podcasts right now. And you can't tell them apart. <laughs> the only imposter, way to tell imposter. them apart. The only way to tell them apart is to go to apple.co slash beans, all lowercase. That's the real one, right? Like with a real Daily Beans, please stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> That's the real one. Apple.co slash beans, all lowercase. That's the one you want to follow and subscribe to or, you know, that. And if you do that, you will not stop getting the beans in your feed. Now, patrons, don't worry about it. You have a premium feed. If you want to be a patron, if you patron three bucks a month, do it. You help keep this show and Muller She Wrote and the MSW Book Club on the air. You get all three of those ad free and you get the to come hang out at zoom happy hour 
So, uh, you know, where we have a cocktail and you can ask me questions directly. It's three bucks a month. What? $36 a year. Huh? I know. That's crazy. That's a great deal. (laughs) So you can do that and avoid this whole imposter beans thing altogether. Also supercasters, same thing. You get all the same stuff, same price. And uh, you also have a premium feed. You don't have to worry about it. So again, apple.co slash beans, all lowercase. Thank you for this public service announcement. All right. First up, boy, that was a lot of talking. From anonymous, pronouns he and him. Hello, ladies. Bit torn up today because of the horrible Uvalde shooting. And you said make something up. So here's my made up good news. I am lucky enough to have a full-time job that I enjoy, hasn't been too affected by the pandemic, and allows me enough liquidity to be able to buy a new TV, a 2021 Samsung 55-inch Neo QLED television with access to all my streaming services built in and quick access to my gaming consoles. (laughs) Some people love cars. I love technology. Thanks for everything you do to keep us informed and optimistic, even when shit looks bleakest. Love y'all. Very nice. That's pretty. An even better version may be available. Boy, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 the United States right now. That's the that's the Constitution to me. An even better version. That's that <laughs> may be available. <laughs> Vote accordingly. And the blue background makes sense. So thank you for sending that in. Thank you indeed. All right, this is from Mary. Pronounce she and her. Hi, beans queens. I'm so beyond heartbroken after the Uvalde shooting. I'm so far beyond it that I have hit incredibly pissed. So, being a good girl who knows how to raise hell politely, I called my senator to discuss gun sense legislation. Now, my senator is no one other than the adult Eddie Munster, Ted fucking Cruz. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. I'm good for you for calling. Who will be speaking at the NRA convention in my hometown of Houston this Friday? Can't say I'm expecting to get a call back, but he's what I've got. It has to be worth a try. Someday, maybe this stupid state will elect someone who isn't the quintessential swamp thing. I don't have any recent dog pics for pet tax, so please accept this picture of my kids on vacation last week. I refer to them as monkey butts, so they've got to count for something, right? Anyway, I love the pod and hope you all have a good day. And yes, monkey butts do count for something, and your kids are adorable. Look at the monkey butt. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mary. Oh, it looks like we have another Mary. Take it away, A.G. All right, from the other Mary, pronoun she and her. My good news is that last week I went to a campaign event for one of the candidates who's running for attorney general here in Massachusetts. The event was held at a Greek restaurant a few minutes drive from where I live. It was nice to get out of the house and to mingle with other people. I saw a few familiar faces, neighbors mostly, who I've seen around my neighborhood when I've gone for walks. I still want to meet the other Democrats who are running in this race, but I have time since Massachusetts primary isn't until September. All right. Cool, Mary. Hey, G, take this, but look at the baby. Yeah. I. I oh, okay. From Annie, no pronouns given, no news, just a couple of pod pet pics. Oh. You guys, this dog, it looks like a Yorkie Chihuahua mix, <laughs> if I had to guess from the second picture. And oh, my God, Yorkie Chihuahua mixes are awfully adorable. Oh, oh I want to kiss that, right? I want to kiss the dog right on the forehead there. Yes. Yeah. Cute, cute, cute. All right. This is from Lisa, pronoun she and her. Hi, ladies. I just wanted to send a note saying great piece in the Washington Post, AG. I like when I get to read your accolades. It makes me happy, AG. Uh, It made the Kenosha Democratic Party Facebook, and I tweeted it out. The other night in bed, I handed my husband my phone and said, this is from the lady who does the beans. (laughs) (laughs) He also said is amazing and brings up many issues he never thought of. 
He's very well read and thoughtful, so this is high praise. I'm sorry for your ordeal. That sounds so inadequate, but I truly am. Thank you for writing it and bringing to light many issues people need to think about. I send my pod pet tax. First is our nine-year-old Newfie, Lucy. Yeah, Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Yes. Her before and after on spa day. I can't wait to get to those pics. The before was her winter coat and now has her summer cut. The second is our rescue blue. A um, I-T-N-R, I trap, neuter, and return, uh, which is what uh, T-N-R means, and rescue when I can. She is one that stayed. They think she's about three years old, and after losing my 19-year-old girl in January, she has been much needed. She's a goof, and I love her. And third are some of my rescue efforts, five- to six-week-old kittens. Adorbs. Thank you all for what you do and giving me space to breathe and vent in my car because of all the insanity right now. You make it more bearable. Thank you for letting us know you and helping us to know we aren't alone. That is definitely a beautiful new thing. Look at how beautiful. Oh, I, I... I wish I could see the pile of hair. Oh my God. I'm you sure know, it's that, Newfie puppies. That came off of that of that Newfoundland. What a baby. Look and not too drooly. At <gasps> the kittens. Those are some ears. Is this cat part German Shepherd? Seriously. Oh, and the kittens. Can I have them? Are they I for know. are they for me? Can I have them? <laughs> I want them. They look like they're for me. <laughs> they might be for you. They could be for you. Oh, oh! this next dog is so cute, too. From Marty, pronouns he and him. Hi, faithful daily listener here. Thanks for all you do. Couple of pup pics to share. We lost our wonderful Pearl, a Kizand, in November of 2020 to a very rapid liver cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. She was so sweet. She wouldn't hurt a fly. Loved people, kids, and other animals, which is why my wife, Anne, and I couldn't stop laughing after we took her picture with a sign threatening fascists. Uh, Huxley, our old Kieshund, agreed. <laughs> November 2020, what a month, huh? The bright spot was at the Trump shop in our town, which the day after the election had a going out of business, everything must go sale. You had a Trump That's shop? That's awesome, oh which God. is terrifying, but I do love a sign. In honor of Pearl, we adopted Ruth, some kind of boxer hound mix. We named her after RBG. And uh, Anne even created a little neck collar for her, a little descent Oh, my goodness. She's a riot to have around and gives Huxley a run for his money. Keep up the great work. I will rip the flesh from your fascist bones. That's hilarious. (laughs) What she said. Oh, my God. Look at the baby. Oh, oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, indeed. What a beauty. That's just like quintessential puppy right there. For sure. When I like that's Aristotle's perfect form of a puppy. When I think of puppy, that's like the puppy. Either that or like a golden retriever puppy, right? Uh-huh. That's Keisha. Oh, cute, so. cute, cute. Thank you so much for these pet pictures. We really needed them today. And thank you for your kind words about the op-ed and the and the made-up good news story about your TV. I appreciate it. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I know it. that was really funny. If you have anything you want to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, Dana, you're going to be out for the next couple of days. So I was wondering if you had any final thoughts before you go. Those are my final thoughts to say that, um, AG, thanks for uh, taking over I, while I go visit my family. Uh, it's I, We don't always talk about everything going on in our lives, but it's been a challenging month. And I'm going to go see my mama. She's fine. My family's fine. Um, but it's those things that happen in the world that make you want to go hug your loved ones. And so that's what's going to happen. And I will miss you all, but I'll be back in your ears Tuesday morning. AG is going to cover me for Monday and I will be back with you Tuesday. So thank you, AG, for giving me this space. It is much needed. 
You are welcome. I'm happy to hold it down for you and for everyone. Uh, and uh, also, don't forget to join us tomorrow. I'll be talking with Danica Rome yes. about her book, Burn the Page. She's just, <laughs> she has so many stories and they're all incredible. So I can't wait for you to hear that interview. And until uh, until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. And vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I have been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>